Welcome to Freedom Slay Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Guys, today you're in for a treat because we're going to be talking about some tactical personal branding strategies and video confidence. And when I say we, I have a very special guest with me today, my mastermind buddy, Elise Archer. She's a founding team member, keynote speaker, and personal branding strategist with Brand Builders Group, whose work has been featured in media outlets such as Forbes and Inc., and whose client roster includes some major change makers in this world that are New York Times bestselling authors and Shark Tank hosts like Lewis Howe and Kevin Harrington. In 2018, she exited her role as a partner in an eight-figure sales coaching business. Let me repeat that again, an eight-figure business and joined Brand Builders Group, where she helps people turn their reputation into revenue. My kind of girl. She loves helping her clients get clarity on how to properly communicate and leverage their personal brand in order to achieve their goals. With a degree in journalism and over 15 years experience in the digital marketing and sales arena, she leverages her background to help her clients position themselves as top thought leaders in their space. Now, with that impressive bio out of the way, I have to also include that she's one of the most thoughtful and helpful individuals that I know. So without further ado, welcome Elise. Oh, thank you, Gaynette. That was that was really nice. <laughs> thank you so That's much. I'm all so honored you. to be here. Thank you. I usually like to start with a personal question, as I know there's someone listening that's listening to that impressive bio and struggling to see themselves. So I know that you struggled for a while with insecurity and an eating disorder. How has that shaped you into the Elise of today? Like, do you believe it's played a role into why you've chosen to create, you know, a current brand building path or chosen your current brand building path, I should say? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so much of my story, Danita, is rising above insecurity. And I grew up in a very, I would say, high performing household as in like both of my parents were Ivy League grads. And there was a lot of, I would just say, I felt a lot of expectation, probably more for myself than anybody else really. But mm-hmm. to to have this level of um, perfectionism and I always felt like I was, I, I had a younger sister, I still have a younger sister, love her dearly. But <laughs> it was kind of that, that friendly competition where she always seemed just like a little bit smarter, you know, skinnier than me, prettier, all the things. And so I found myself in a lot of comparison growing up. And I also found myself in a lot of insecurity, never feeling good enough, never feeling like I could get my dad's attention the way I wanted to, you know, just some things that I think a lot of women can relate to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah. So in my teens, I developed a pretty bad eating disorder. I was anorexic. And I actually, I struggled with that for 17 years and was very, I would say, quote unquote, high functioning with it through my twenties. But it was still like in my twenties, I kind of was that person who on the outside, I looked like I had it all together. You know, I was making great money. I had a great house, a nice car, all the things that I thought would make me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. And on the inside though, I was, I was really quite miserable. And I remember I didn't even like silence because it made me be alone with my thoughts. I'd gotten married to a guy who was really not a good fit for me. And I found myself at age 27, just in this marriage that was really 
really bad looking at just my life and saying on the outside, it looks like I have everything together. And on the inside, I don't even know who I am anymore. And because I didn't like the silence, I discovered podcasts and it was amazing how, you know, I started discovering these personal development podcasts and getting really hooked on them. I'd never been introduced to the concept that I could change my outer world just by really changing who I was on the inside. And I started really thinking about, well, who am I on the inside? What do I care about? And what do I want my life to be about? And it was this process, which, you know, I think we're, we're all in for our whole lives. I'm certainly still in it, but I feel like I've come a long way. This process of kind of peeling back the layers to rediscover who am I really inside and also to, to learn to really love who I am and to be okay with showing up fully as myself in my business in my friend circle, with my family, in my relationships. And so to me, when it comes to brand building and helping people with their personal brand, part of where the the insecurity piece and some of my backstory plays in is that when we're creating a personal brand, so much of it is about visibility, right? And it's about being seen. And people who want to build a personal brand typically want to be known, they want to be seen, they know they want to be more visible, not necessarily for the fame piece, but more because they feel like they have an important message to share with the world. Mm-hmm. And they maybe they're running a business and they know that the more people know and trust them, the more it's going to grow their business. And they're really passionate about getting their services and their message into the world. But when we, when we become more visible, there's also all of a sudden this, it's kind of like we're stepping into a spotlight and that can create a lot of insecurities for people. And one of the things that really just, it touches me in the work that I do. And it's also part of why I'm so passionate about this is I have these private conversations with clients who, you know, you mentioned some of the types of clients I work with in the intro. Again, outside looking in, they are, they're like, everyone wants to be where they are, right? Mm -hmm. People look at them and they're like, when I'm there, if I could just get there, I would feel so good about myself. But Mm -hmm. what I've discovered is no matter what level you're at on the outside, no matter how much money you're making, there seems to be this this fear of judgment and this insecurity and this, well, why would someone pay me $25,000 for a keynote? Or why would my book become a bestseller? Or why would anyone want to follow me on social media? I don't really know that I have anything to say. And so there are these insecurities that come up. So the piece that lights me up the most is helping my clients really own how their message matters because it's coming from them and because they have a unique backstory and because there are people out there who are needing them to rise up and share that message. Um, You know, I was talking to a client last week who was, she's afraid to be more visible in her space. And she was talking about how Gary Vaynerchuk really inspired her years ago to go out and create a new business. And we talked about, well, what if Gary V had never taken the risk of being visible? Mm -hmm. Like what if he had never stepped up and decided to write books and create videos? And we have to think about that. Like who needs you, who you're not showing up for right now. And oftentimes there's just a level of needing to overcome some of those insecurities and really owning your voice in order to do that. Yeah. That's how it plays in. Yeah. Go ahead. I love that. And understanding that, like you said, it's who's out there that needs to hear that. It's bigger than us a lot of the times. And Beyonce's new song, Bigger, comes to my mind as I'm thinking of that. Mm. But it's so important. And what you also said, which I loved, was that people on all levels have some level of insecurity. And what that does, especially when you begin to share that insecurity, 
and be transparent with your audience, it also creates a closer and deeper knowing and love for your brand. So mm-hmm. I think it's so important to let people know who are listening to this that, you know, you aren't the oddball out for feeling like you're inadequate sometimes, you know, at some point, I mean, even Oprah at times feels like she isn't it. Mm-hmm. So it's understanding that what you're going through is normal, but showing up anyway, because when you show up, you're showing up for others. So I absolutely love that message. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about you've worked with such rock stars right along the way some really great ones and also other really great ones that we may not know they may not have the well-known faces like that but have you noticed any commonalities even outside of like the insecurity bit that they need assistance with with their brands you know i would say the number one thing that i notice and it's funny because it's so pervasive it's everyone we work with regardless of i'm excited to hear this yeah it's i could you know i'm on discovery calls all throughout the day with potential clients. And it's like, I know exactly what they're about to say. <laughs> um, it's, it's lack of clarity. That's mm-hmm. the number one challenge. And the reason why, so it's, I should elaborate, it's lack of clarity about either they have a vision for where they want to get to, and they're not sure how to, mm-hmm. or they're not really, they have all these different things they're passionate about and different things they've done, but they're not clear on how to take that and turn it into a cohesive brand. Mm. And a lot of my clients are brilliant marketers. In fact, a number of them actually run their own marketing agencies and they do this for a living. But one of my clients, Glenn, I love the way he said it. And I just, I'll repeat him because I think he said it best. He said, Elise, I can do this all day long for my clients. But when it comes to looking at me and figuring out how to position myself, when you look at something for so long, you just stop seeing it. Mm-hmm. And it's that's different looking at it from the inside out rather than the outside in, right? That's How it. And get that clarity. So for us, for my team and I at Brand Builders Group, there's an art and a science to it. And so the science piece is that, you know, at our former company together, we, we worked with a team of you know, a lot of other people as well to help build this eight-figure international sales coaching organization. And there were a number of us in that organization who became bigger personal brands. And along the way, we kind of studied. It took, it took us a long time to do that, but we were really been able to like distill it and reverse engineer it to say, well, actually it was really these four different steps, these different phases and processes that if we knew at the time just to do these things, it would have happened a lot faster. And so the science is it's kind of like baking a cake where you need the right ingredients in the right order to create a certain kind of cake. But then the art piece is that because it's personal branding, there is no one else who is like you. Mm-hmm. And there is no one else who has the same unique passions and talents and experiences. And so we're really big on, yes, there's a science and that there's a system to building an influential brand, but you never want to let the science get in the way of the art. Because at the end of the day, what people really care about is you and connecting with you from the heart. And that's always the most important thing. So we really try to marry the art and the science of building a brand. So you would say that working and being true to yourself, being authentic in your brand building is the key for an impactful and profitable brand then? I would say it is one of the main keys. Mm-hmm. I would say it's, I would Along say, with what else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of the biggest things that a lot of clients come to me for and is a pain point, I think, for a lot of individuals and entrepreneurs who want to build 
a strong personal brand is they haven't really had a clear plan of how they're going to do it. So what I mean by that is we see so many people today with like the travel, you know, the freedom laptop lifestyle and make millions of dollars working on a beach. And yeah, the Instagram posts. Yes. Yes. And yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's a little bit frustrating because I think sometimes people really buy into the fact that, well, you can just sit on a beach and post photos of you frolicking on the beach or the food you're eating and brands are going to be beating down your door to have a partnership with you. And while yes, that can happen in very unique circumstances, the vast majority of the time, it's not the case. And the biggest thing that will cost you time and money is going into building a personal branding business without a clear understanding of what your backend revenue model is going to be. And so that's actually one of the very first things that we work on with clients is how are you going to monetize? And it's really looking at- Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like, I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's all women who come to me who are in this situation. I don't have this same situation happen with my male clients. And I I think a lot of your audience is probably female. So I say this, I say this with love. There is, it is the big misconception amongst so many of these women that I just want to be a quote unquote influencer. And they're not really sure what that means, but they have this vision of traveling and making a lot of money and having a lot of freedom. And it's like, yes, that's possible. And you need to actually know what you're going to sell in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And so we want to start with that. What's the revenue model, which is really just what would people want to buy from you that would really be of service to them and build with that in mind so that you don't find yourself, what do people say, like Instagram rich and dollar poor? Yeah, right? <laughs> for sure. There yeah. are many people with large pages with small bank accounts, right? Yeah. So figuring out how to figure out what the problem is that your audience has that you would be able to assist them with, right? Getting really clear on where your zone of genius lies and how you can create a business around that, how you can monetize that zone of genius by solving problems along the way. Because another issue I find a lot of people um, have, and you can let me know if you agree with this, is that they want to create their product, but they haven't even tested it or seen if it's an actual need in the market. Mm. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. Pow. <laughs> so do you have any favorite tools or techniques that you use specifically with your clients to help them get clear on their audience needs? Yeah, definitely. So when we are working with, when I'm working with clients, my team and I are working with clients, we start with what we call is like getting a blueprint together for your brand, which is getting really clear on exactly some of the things that you just mentioned, Gainete. So it's like, what problem do you solve? How are you going to solve it with a product or a service? And then it's also really getting clear on who is the core target audience. So important. Yeah. And we actually do that after figuring out the revenue model and and what you're going to sell. Yeah, it's different. Well, and here's the reason why, like as, as you get really clear on what problem you're going to solve and what you're uniquely qualified to do. You're also looking at, okay, well, based upon that, what could I sell that aligns with my experience and my background? And you may land on really, it's like a $97 course or no, it's a $10,000 coaching and consulting package. Well, the audience that's going to buy a $97 course is going to be different than the audience that's going to buy a $10,000 consulting package typically. For sure. mm-hmm. So that's part of why we want to get clear on the revenue model first. And then that informs, here's who you need to market to and the type of audience you need to to build. But one of the things that's really useful once we land on who those people are and kind of go through 
you know, demographics and then the psychographics of what's in their mind, what's in their, their brain, what are their fears, is we have our clients make a list of what are 52 different questions that this person would have. So you get really clear on your ideal client and then what are 52 different questions they would have. And the reason why is that it can take a lot of time to create content every week, right? Mm -hmm. You and I probably both know that it's like Uh it's a full-time job. And one of the biggest opportunities where you can scale and grow your business faster is by getting really good at repurposing content. And so part of the model we teach our clients to do is every week, you just take one of those questions and you answer it in a five to seven minute video. And then there's all these different ways you can repurpose that video for all your content for the week, whether it's getting it transcribed and turning it into a blog article, whether it's doing a one minute clip for your Instagram feed, whether it's pulling the quotes out and making like Pinterest images. And, and Twitter feed quotes. That's amazing. Yeah, That's yeah. Great idea. We, and I would encourage anyone listening to this to stop what you're doing after you listen to this podcast, of course, and to write down 52 questions questions that your audience would have, things that you often get asked as well, right? You can include those in there because that's the things they're really going to eat up. And that's a great suggestion, Elise, because like you said, people are struggling for content. And not only that, when you get clear on what your audience is asking for, it makes it a lot easier for you to create that paid content as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And it's amazing how people will ask and say, okay, so do I need to go out and do like market research and survey and nothing against that? Absolutely. You can, and it, it certainly doesn't hurt. But once you're clear on who that person is, because usually your person is you just, you know, a year ago or five years ago or five minutes ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the questions come easily and it's really easy to get on that role. And it's like, no, you actually know what your person needs and what their questions are. And then pay attention as you're engaging with, with your audience on social media to hear what else am I hearing that they need um, and how can I start creating content that answers those questions as well. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Oh, for sure. And another thing that you guys can do is take a look at where they're asking questions too. You may follow some of your audience and see that they're sharing content that they may have found intriguing from someone else. And then you can see what things they're interested in. Where are they commenting? Who are they following? You know, what is that person posting they're interested in? And getting really clear on who that ideal audience member is, right? That ideal target audience. So no, I love, love, love that suggestion, Elise. And in that same breath, I know that you did share some of these already, but what misconceptions, what other misconceptions are out there that you'd like to nip in the bud as it relates to personal branding? I know you said the one about, you know, thinking that you could just sit on a beach with a computer, take pictures and think that that's enough for sponsorship sponsors to come running to you, right? But what other misconceptions are there out there that you just like, no, you got it a little wrong and I wish I can help you with this? Yeah, totally. So there's two other main ones that stand out to me. Um, one, I don't know if this will apply to your audience quite as much because this is one I hear more from my men, but maybe some 
people can relate to this. So one of them, I remember I was on a call maybe a month ago with a prospect and he said, well, you know, I think I want a personal brand, but I really don't want to be Ty Lopez. Like, do I have to have naked women behind me and have Ferrari and like be really, I think his word was, do I have to be douchey to have a personal brand? And it's hilarious. And here's what I find is that I hear this more from entrepreneurs who have actually already built a relatively profitable business is they think that having a personal brand is just about being famous. Mm -hmm. And, and here's the thing, look, I think so about impact for a lot of the personal brands that are making it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's really, it's like, it's not just about being famous. <laughs> it's also just, it's also about impact, exactly like you said. Um, and then the other big misconception I would say is people look at influencers in their space or entrepreneurs in their space who already have kind of gotten to where they want to go. And they look at what they're talking about on social media. And often they'll, that person will be talking about a lot of different things, whether it's health, fitness, business relationships. And so they look at that and they say, oh, well, that's how I get well-known too. That's how I build an influential personal brand. But there's a it's easier to describe as a, um, an image, but I'll kind of just speak to it here. There's a concept that we call Sheehan's Wall, which essentially it's named after a guy named Peter Sheehan, who basically studies brands that rise to the top of their class to see what is it that a brand that's really well known does differently than one that's not. And what he found was that for all of the brands that rise to the top of their class and become well known, before they did, they got super laser focused and they focused on becoming known for one thing. Mm-hmm. And they went all in on one. I read that book, The One Thing. Ah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, such a, exactly. It's like, that's a great example of this where in order to really break through that wall in your space, if, if you're trying to come at the wall from all different angles, nothing is ever going to have enough power to get you through. But mm-hmm. if you focus all your energy and effort and momentum and put it behind becoming known for one thing, there's so much power in that focus that it's going to give you enough power to really break through the wall. Mm -hmm. And then once you're on the other side, it really opens you up to be able to speak to more. It's kind of like you mentioned Oprah before. Oprah can speak to whatever she wants and because she's Oprah, people will listen, Mm -hmm. but it's different if you're not Oprah yet. (laughs) If she came out of the woodworks talking about her favorite things, everyone would be like, who cares? You know? Yeah, exactly. Why should we care? (laughs) So no, that's a great, that's great. So is there anything else you think that people focus too much on? I know one thing I find with my clients, they come in, they're like, yeah, I'm working on my brand. I'm like, great. What have you done? Oh, I found someone on Fiverr to do my logo. I'm like, okay, wait, (laughs) while your logo can assist with your brand aesthetics and help, you know, be an identifier for your brand, it is not your brand. You are your brand. So what other things do you find that people focus too much of their attention on? Yeah. Trying to build a personal brand. Sure. So I would 100% what you're saying first. Um, Often people jump straight into the visual creation piece of it. And it's kind of like trying to build a house without having a blueprint. Mm -hmm. It's it's getting really clear first on what is your brand all about? What's the problem you solve? Some of the things you and I have been talking about on this podcast. And then the other thing I would say is they focus way too much on what other people think of them. Uh Uh-huh. That's a great one. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the number one thing. And it's interesting because as at the time of this recording, I'm doing um, some trainings and some free, just free lives and live trainings on video confidence because that's something I'm passionate about. And when I ask in the, in the lives, when I ask my, my attendees, you know, what are you afraid of about being visible? It's always judgment. 
-hmm. It's this fear of judgment. And I love what my mentor, so I work with a coach and a mentor named Gina DeVee and, and what she says about it, and it's especially true for women, is that, look, people have always judged you and they will always judge you. And they're doing it right now. And as women, for centuries, we were persecuted. We were burned at the stake for having a dissenting opinion. We were cast out of the tribe if we believed something else and left outside to die. And so there's this real fear that's actually ingrained in our DNA of judgment. Mm -hmm. And what we have to realize and recognize is that today we are not going to die if someone judges us. And to kind of just embrace that it's happening anyway. But what's happening right now is if you're staying small, the conversation is, has she still not really done anything with that? Has she still really not like built that business? She's been talking about it for five years. Yep. So why not? Gonna stop. So it's like give them something good. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Mm -hmm. the word small. So I'm gonna ask, like, does size really matter as far as like social media following and like lists and things like that? Can you begin growing your brand or can you be have a great personal, profitable personal brand if you have a small email list or if you have a small following on social? Girl, I would say size always matters. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's So can you make money without having a big social following? Yes. Of course. Yes. And if that's the case, it's going to be more about direct one-to-one outreach and having a really clear message. So Mm -hmm. we launched our new company brand builders group and we got it to seven figures in eight months without, without even having like a website. (laughs) And it was really, oh, well, we were, it it was relationships. It was relationships. And the other piece of that, that I will say is that I do think Love it or hate it, size does matter of your audience and of your list. If you Mm -hmm. are looking to create freedom and to scale, and it's something that I am very attuned to right now because in my previous kind of life, LinkedIn was my main platform. And so I really spent most of my time and focus and energy on LinkedIn. And then when I pivoted into more of the personal branding space last year, it was like all of a sudden, all anyone cared about connecting with me on was Instagram. I really hadn't done much with Instagram. (laughs) And so now it's like, okay, I understand. I got to pick up my game. I got to grow my following, which you've got so many great tips for that you've also helped me with. And it's just like, love it or hate it, it does matter. And the more people you can get in front of, the more you can help. So you're a LinkedIn pro. And I know that you're like a master of easy sales anyway, Mm. without any ads and Can you share that? I know you have a really quick strategy that you use with your LinkedIn videos that work really well because you are a video pro too. So not only are you a sales pro and brand pro, you are pro with videos. So what's your tips for that? Yeah. So the number one way that I've built my business in the past business and then with this new business now is very simply putting out videos on LinkedIn. LinkedIn still, at least at the time of this recording, has the best organic reach for videos, for most, for many of us, it has the best organic reach for videos you put out without paying for ads. And um, so for me, it's like twice a week, I put out a thought leadership video on LinkedIn. And what I mean by that is it's just like three to five minutes of me talking about something. It's the videos we talked about before answering a question my audience would have. And because those videos get such good organic reach, what I found is that I get a lot of inbound connection requests from ideal prospects who were like, hey, saw your video, really appreciate what you had to share. And so I just have a very simple follow-up process where I, you know, I get to know them. I say, thanks so much for the, the comment and for letting me know you enjoyed the video. Hey, I'd love to hear about what you're working on right now for your personal brand. Does it make sense for us to set up a call? And it's such a simple process, but for me, 
like I was never the most techie person. So I needed simple. So I kind of stumbled into this accidentally, <laughs> um, but it works really, really well. Mm -hmm. Granted, your audience needs to be on LinkedIn for this to make sense for you, but you could do it on any platform. With video, right? Because yeah. Yeah, video is so powerful. So what are your, because you're a video pro, like I said, what are your top tips for those who are listening, who are scared to get in front of a camera? They know that video is the way to connect, but they're terrified. Do you have like any camera tricks they should know? Any tricks to help with their nerves? Yeah. I mean, the number one thing is don't watch your videos before you publish them. Ha, such a good one. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're all our own worst critics. If I watched my own videos before I put them out there, I probably would have put out 5% of what I actually have. And but things get it, better with time, right? Yeah. yeah. And you, speaking to that, because you just made such an important point, when you first start out, you probably don't have that many people watching anyway. So mm -hmm. realize that this whole quote unquote big audience that you're afraid of messing up in front of and judgment from, if you're just starting out with it, you probably don't have that many people anyway. And that's great. Practice on the audience you have, get to, you know, serve them, get their feedback, be willing to get critiques. The first video I did years ago, I had, I didn't know about lighting. So I did the whole video, like totally backlit, no light on my face. I looked like this dark, creepy, shadowy figure. I'm sure you're uh, still cute. I, I was cute in the darkness, girl. <laughs> <laughs> But that, but that was the hilarious part was it still turned into business for me. And then someone like privately messaged me and said, Hey, you know, um, turn the other way around next time so we can actually see your face, but the video was good. And so you, you kind of just learn and you, learn along the way. To, you can't perfect something that's not out there. So just get it out. And you actually have a video course that's out. So do you want to share a bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So um, super, super passionate about helping entrepreneurs who want to be more visible on video, get past their fear of being on camera and actually really learn to master video to grow their business. There's so much opportunity there. And so I've created, I've got a free four part training series that, um, that I've created that anyone in your audience is welcome to go grab. I think we're going to put the link in the show notes yep, we to sure go are. get it. Yeah. But it's just a free video confidence workshop. And if you look in the show notes, you'll grab the link and it's a great four part training that you can get it. We talk about mindset. We talk about technique. We talk about any and all things, video confidence, how to turn your videos into money. So would love to, um, to help serve your audience with that. You are amazing. And Freedom Slayers, just so you know, you're also in for a treat because she's also sharing another freebie today called First Step to Famous as well. And I'll put that link in the show notes for it too. So she's just awesome. And it's one question I always love to ask my guests. I feel like you've given so much great tips from the 52 questions you should be asking yourself, not looking at your video, that great LinkedIn strategy, so many things. And it's just one final thing I have to ask because this is called the Freedom Slay Podcast. So... What does freedom mean to you, Elise? Mm, you know, to me, I love this question. To me, it means actually feeling good within myself. And what I mean by that is having my whole life aligned with who I really am, to me, creates a level of freedom inside that it doesn't matter where I am, what I'm doing, 
who I'm with, if I feel really good about myself and how I'm showing up in that moment, I feel free. That's what it is to me. You are such a star. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for all the gems you dropped. I cannot wait to get this podcast out there so that my audience can hear and just grow in their personal brands, grow their personal brands, and also get in contact with you. So I'll be putting the link you mentioned below for the video training course, the free training course, as well as to the first steps to famous, along with your Instagram handle, because you guys need to be following her there. Every, just about every day she shows up on Insta stories and she gives such great gems on there as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Elise. You are so appreciated and you're such a master of branding, girl. Oh, thank you so much. This has been a really beautiful time to spend with you. So I appreciate it. Okay. Okay. I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you. 